You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to episode 77 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. It's Friday the 5th of May and my name's Charlotte Greenway. There's plenty of interviews to recap on from this week as Nick, of course, is out in the US for the Kentucky Derby and has been featuring a different horse each day this week, which we'll listen to shortly. But first, looking at the domestic action, we've, of course, got the Guineas meeting from Newmarket, where the three-year-old Colts will battle it out for the first classic of the season on Saturday before the Phillies get their turn on Sunday. It's no surprise to see the two Aidan O'Brien Group 1 winning Colts at 2, August Rodan and Little Big Bear heading the betting for the 2000 Guineas, with August Rodan being touted as a possible Triple Crown contender, whilst Chaldean, as he's now known, who of course unseated coming out of the stalls in his trial at Newbury, is next in in the betting, having won the Dewhurst last season on the Rowley Mile. He beat Royal Scotsman that day, who also takes his place in the field. And Nick asked Royal Scotsman's jockey Jim Crowley whether he's hopeful of turning that form around with Chaldean. Well, obviously, um, I'd, be, I'd be very hopeful of him reversing the form with Chaldean. I thought he'd, he'd been running very well all year. And um, he, he's obviously in the Dewhurst. I'd, it was his first time over seven furlongs and... Uh, He'd been a bit keen at times, so we dropped him in to get him to relax. And if anything, he relaxed too well, and he took a bit of time to get going. And I felt Chelsea sort of got going before we did. And by the time he hit top gear, um, he was only just getting going at the winning line, and, and he galloped out really well that day. And the first thing I said to to um, Paul and Oliver and Jim Feature was that I wouldn't have any worries about him getting getting the mile. Sorry. So the way he galloped out, but so I'd be very confident him staying the trip do you like that the idea that he's had quite a bit of conditioning last year that he's had a few runs that he knows what racing's all about definitely i think that i think that's important i think um obviously you want experience going into a race like that um it's very hard for a horse to go in there the back of one run and he hasn't run in any of the trials, which I think they're very close to the Guineas. And unless you've got an exceptional horse who doesn't have a hard race, um, it, it's they, they are very close to the race. And he's missed those trials. Um, and like I said, his, his form was very strong from last year. It, it, I think there's question marks about a, a few of the horses in the race. Obviously, the front two in the betting are very good horses of Aidan O'Brien's, um, as does Chaldean. But... I'd be very hopeful this lad. He'll definitely stay, and he's very exciting. Um, you mentioned the, the two Bally Doyle horses, August Rodin and, and Little Big Bear. Um, are, are, there's a sort of natural assumption that Ryan Moore's going to ride August Rodin. If if you were him, would that be the way you'd be leaning? Well, it's going to be an easy decision for him. Um, obviously, August Rodin looks very much a Derby type of horse, and he does look a very decent horse. I was very impressed with Little Big Bear when he won, and he looks like he's got a lot of speed. 
Um, he's out of a bearing mare, so I, I think he will stay. Um, he could be very talented. He might be one of those horses who has a lot of speed, um, but stays. And I think that's the key to all good milers, that they've got to have speed. Um, so it won't be an easy decision for Ryan Moore. I think both of them have got outstanding chances. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd be inclined to agree. And you ride Polly Pot. You picked up the Polly Pot ride for, for Ben Pauling and, and the Megsons on, on Sunday with Asheen Murphy switching to Morge for Saeed Bin Sarur. There's no pressure. She's a big price. But is she a completely forlorn hope? Well, I hope not. It's a great ride to pick up. Um, yeah, obviously, I watched her last year. and She's another one. She, she, she'll definitely stay the mile very well. Um, so whether, she, whether she's good enough, but... Um, as you saw a few years ago, Bilston Brook winning at 66 to 1. You just never know. Um, you know, if you're not in it, you can't win it. So it's a great ride to pick up. Similar to Little Big Bear, another the trip comes into question for is the well-fancied Sakir, who only ran over six furlongs last season. And so Tom Stanley put a call into his trainer, Roger Varian, to see how confident he is that his son of Zoffany will get the mile. Well, we're certainly hopeful he'll stay the mile. Tom, I've said over the last couple of weeks, I don't think any of us will truly know um, the answer to that until Saturday afternoon. Um, I think on pedigree, he's got every chance of staying. Um, he hasn't raced beyond six, and he, he looked a quick horse, you know, at that trip last last autumn. So we'll have to see. Um, I think he's in good good shape. Um, he's train, training very nicely, and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get that stamina question answered at the weekend. Has he changed from from two to three? Sort of aside from obviously growing a bit, I imagine. But but anything, any mental change you've, you've noted? Um, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, enormously, no. He he, he had a, a lovely attitude um, to racing into his work last year. Um, great temperament. Um, you know, very straightforward around around the yard and in his training, and 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 the same has been the case, you know, all the way through this. Pro- um, no, to be honest. No, fine. And um, he he missed he missed his intended last start last year, did he? But but everything's been absolutely straightforward over the over the winter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's had a good winter and he's had a smooth smooth preparation into the guineas. And as far as the the one thousand goes, Olivia Meralda, um, obviously she's a, a new acquisition for your your yard. Is she gonna gonna line up first start for you in the one thousand? That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. We had her declared to run in a Fred Darling at Newbury. Um, the trainer didn't think that would be the best thing to do on the heavy ground with a mm. new to running in the guineas. Um, she's training lovely actually, and I think that uh, that piece of form in the debutante stakes of a her um, last year, you know, reads very well um, in the context of the overall uh, Guinea's, Guinea's form. And I think if she can bring a repeat of that performance or even improve on it, um, you know, she, she, she's no fall on hope, I don't think. James Doyle had a remarkable weekend last year when he took both guineas on Caribus and Cachet. Slightly surprisingly, he's booked to ride last year's impressive Jim Crack winner Noble Style tomorrow over Charlie Appleby's other runner Silver Knot, who'll have William Buick aboard. And when Tom caught up with James earlier in the week, he inquired when and how the Godolphin 2000 guineas jockey bookings had been decided. I think so. Well, after 
we, we did a race course gallop with them um, about 10 days ago. And um, I think after that, um, I, I guess it, it looked uh, visually that um, Silver Knight, who I actually rode that day, it looked like he kind of worked a bit better than the Noble style. But, but he's a tricky one, Noble style, because he, his work was pretty exceptional before he first ran as a two-year-old. And after he bolted up at Ascot that day, his, his work at home, whether he just goes through the motions or what, but he's been pretty unimpressive um, in, in his homework. So we were hoping he kind of would spark up a little bit on the track. And he, he didn't seem to do that. But I think um, hopefully on, in, in race conditions, can it must kind of get his blood up. Because like I say, after his win on debut, he didn't work fantastic by any means. And... You know, he, he obviously won his novice under a penalty and then went on to win it um, at York pretty pretty nicely in a pretty smart race. So mm. um, let's hope he saves his best in the track. And are you confident he'll get a mile? I wouldn't say confident, no. I mean, on on on, on, on his dam's side of his pedigree, his dam was pretty smart. She was related to um, some pretty smart horses, but they were all kind of six furlong horses so there's a lot of speed in, in his damn side obviously he's by Kingman which uh, gives you a bit of bit of hope um, that the mile could be with his, with, within his compass but he's a strong travelling horse that in his races he showed a good turn of foot but we'll just have to see how how, how he gets the mile really mm. and, and what sort of feel did Silver not give you in the gallop? I thought he, he worked pretty solid like um, we had a sensible lead horse in there he, he travelled up really nicely and I just felt that he kind of went through his gears nicely without having a really good turn of foot I think he's a horse that that, that will um, stay, a, stay a mile no problem as we've seen in the past but I think um, he doesn't have a dynamic turn of foot so I think I could see Will kind of putting him up there on the sharp end and just keep him going through those gears you obviously rode the, the 1,000 Guineas winner last year. You've ridden Fairy Cross on her debut. I'm sure you know her very well. Um, how do you assess her chances? Yeah, look, she's, she's, she's quite a big price, and I suppose that's kind of reflected in what she's achieved. But she's been very consistent on what she has done today. Uh, she, she obviously won the Prestige last year. Um, she had a nice run over in Dubai uh, where we didn't think she was 100% right. She just kind of hung a bit under pressure and it was actually Morge that beat her that day and obviously Morge went out, ran out a very ready, ready winner. Um, but I thought her run in this trial was pretty good considering we had a hell of a headwind up there that day and it, horses definitely seem to be better suited, you know, running at the pace and getting plenty of cover, uh, in which the winner did that day. I mean, the winner won um, a couple of lengths and came from well off the gallop, whereas Fairy Cross was right up in the thick of things. She had no cover, and um, that just seemed to take its toll on her late on. Um, but she seems to um, have plenty, well, she's got plenty of experience on her side, which should stand her in good stead. Whether she's quite up to... Um, Winning the Guineas will be remain to be seen, but she she's certainly uh, hopefully a lively outsider.
So we've already heard about some of the 1,000 guineas contenders, but the one they all have to be on two-year-old form anyway is the unbeaten Tahira, a half-sister to Breeders' Cup winner and ARC second Tarnawa. She won the Group 1 Moigler stud stakes over seven furlongs on just her second start, beating the Ballydoyle filly Meditate comfortably, and Dermot Weld provided an update on Tahira on Wednesday. We're, we're satisfied, we're all set, uh, I'm pleased with her, and uh, yeah, we're arranging travel arrangements for her, and uh, plan is to run on Sunday. We didn't really talk that much the other day about just sort of the last the last few weeks with her and, and how she'd been working, really, whether she'd been showing you like real real zip and the kind of brilliance you want, I guess. Well, she's not a filly that's ever going to do that for you at home, and that's a problem. Two reasons for my delayed decision. Firstly, we've had a very dry month of February, but then, of course, we got this very wet March and April. You know, she just went back a little bit in her coat, but um, she's never a filly that... She, she's never a, a really impressive worker at home. And um, so it's very hard to gauge, to be quite honest with you. So whatever I've asked her to do, I've been satisfied, and uh, that's exactly where we are. You, you've you've been around long enough to see a lot of classics, Dermot. What do you make of the strength of this race as it stands at the moment? I think it's a I think it's a very good renewal of the race. I think Meditate is an exceptionally good filly, and I think there's a lot of a lot of kind of unknown talent that's about to appear in the race. So there's a lot of fillies, I, I think, going to come forward. And I think it's an open contest. I think it's a very good renewal. Now, crossing the Atlantic for tomorrow's Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs. And this has already provided plenty of drama, even before the off. This morning, we learned that Safi Joseph was forced to withdraw his horse, Lord Miles, after two other horses under his care both entered in the Kentucky Derby, died unexpectedly earlier in the week. And Safi has also been suspended from having runners at Churchill Downs indefinitely. Nick spoke to a rather angry and disappointed Safi about the enforced scratching and ban placed on him on this morning's podcast. And I recommend going back and listening to that if you haven't already. Moving on to the race itself, Brad Cox has four in there and our Kansas Derby winner, Angel of Empire, looks to be his first string. However, Coolmore's Charlie O'Connor seems pretty optimistic that their colt, trained by Cox, verifying, is capable of putting in a big performance despite being drawn down the inside in two. I think that... um... You know, he, he, he's always a horse that breaks well and he breaks clean and he breaks fast. And I suppose with not a lot of pace in this race, you know, we're, we're going to have to take it. So, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty optimistic about it. I first saw this horse when you were there, in, in, in point of fact, at Aqueduct when he, he finished second in the in the champagne to... Uh, good, ho- good, yeah, on the slop, but to a good horse of Chad Brown's Blazing Sevens, who hasn't made it to the to the Derby. He's he's come quite a long way since then, but even then, you were saying you thought he he could be a pretty smart one. Yeah, we, we've been very happy with him, and we we thought that he he ran a very good race in the Bluegrass. He was beaten by a good horse, and um, we we think he's coming into the race 
very nicely and he's just progressing along nicely and uh, I think we've we, we haven't seen the best of him yet he's um he's got that form with all the horses we've been talking about this week confidence game we heard from Keith Zormo earlier in the week tap it trice a lot of people think he's the most naturally talented horse and you were only a neck behind him in the blue grass is there anything sure. specifically about Saturday's race that you think will really bring him into his own what we need, Nick, is we need a clean break, and I think we'll be up in the pace, and I think it could be his race to win. Really, you're 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 that confident of a of a really big shout? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so Brad said after the break, he said, "You know what?" He said, "It's not the worst worst thing in the world," and uh, w- w- he he's a clean breaker. So let's break break him out, get up there close to the pace, and it'll be our race to lose. And it will not be lost on anyone that this is a a, a cult by Justify, the the Triple Crown winner who who, which, who you stand. Which will make it more, yeah, which would make it more special that he's by Justify. Uh, Charlie, you've you've lived in in Kentucky in the Lexington area near Versailles for for a, for a long time now. I mean, what would it mean just to be to be you know associated with a with a Derby winner like this? I, I I couldn't describe. I, I wouldn't know how to describe it. It would be absolutely unbelievable. And I've worked for the Magnor family for a long, long time. And I think for them, and for Mr. Magnor, who who bought Justify, and had faith in him, and bred a lot of very, very good mares to him, I I wouldn't be more proud and happy f- for them, for for this to happen. I guess I've just found the answer to what you give a, a man who's got everything answer a Kentucky Derby. It'll be unbelievable. Breeders' Cup winning trainer Keith DeSormo will be looking to go one better than he did in 2016 as he sends out some people's dark horse for this year's race, Confidence Game. And here's Keith on how he's feeling ahead of tomorrow. Getting here is the pressure-filled part the tough part, the, 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 the training, all the things we have to uh, do, the hoops we have to jump through in order to get qualified for the Derby. That's the tough part. Once you're in, uh, you know, I'd like to think we get into a uh, celebratory mode. Uh, the, in, in the industry is celebrating as a whole. Uh, all of the uh, America and, the, and, you know, horse racing fans in the, in the whole world, uh, or are um, interested in this race and uh, it's just a great time obviously for the industry to come together and celebrate what we are now confidence game is a horse that's got a that's got a shot um why did you lay him off since the the rebel stakes at oakland because it's not necessarily what what convention would have dictated but but you reckon it's going to work for you yeah um uh, logistics played the biggest part, you know, uh, and the fact that after that race, it seemed like just the shipping and the weather change from Hot Springs to New Orleans. You know, we were there for a few days. It was in the 40s. We get to New Orleans. It's in the 80s in February, and it was stayed that way for a few days. It zapped my horse pretty good. So I knew I would give him a real easy two weeks uh, to recover from the Rebel. And when I cranked him back up again and was basically ready to go again, then it was time to leave. It was time to leave New Orleans and get to uh, Louisville. That means I would have had to run him right in the middle of the shipping and acclimation process, of which I don't think that was a good thing either. So um, 
I chose to work him into the race, and I feel very confident that that was the right decision because the horse is fresh. Uh, he he's also very fit. He's not the type of horse that carries a, a a lot of weight. He puts a huge effort in his works. So I'm I'm very uh, confident. Again, I use his name again. That uh, fitness is not an issue. And there's a little bit of a parallel with the horse that you finished second in in this race, Exaggerator, because like Exaggerator, Confidence Game was quite well conditioned as a as a two year old with a you know five five starts at two. Exaggerator had six starts at two. Has that informed your decision a little bit as well? You know, you've given him the street wisdom as a young horse, if you like. For sure, uh, but the difference was, uh, I guess, Exaggerator seemed to me uh, a much more heavier race coming into the. Uh, Derby. He he won the Santa Anita Derby, which was only four weeks out at the time. Uh, also had run two other times in the uh, course of the year in the San Vicente and the Bob Lewis. So he was much more heavily raced. Uh, but yeah, as a two-year-old, campaigned pretty stoutly, and uh, great foundation on both of those horses. And and is that you think Confidence Games' big attribute here that he that he's got a bit of toughness. Yeah, and and I don't know if you researched the pedigree that uh, deeply yet. Uh, not the pedigree, but past performances. He broke his maiden uh, at Churchill on his second start. Uh, he so he had two starts as a maiden, and then he won. He ran in a stake, the Iroquois, and then won in a other than. So he's got four races, three at a route, or two at a route over the Churchill surface. Yeah, we've got a bit of a home field advantage. And you mentioned the the pedigree of this horse, and I have actually done a little research into the pedigree, and it throws up really quite a striking name because the dam of this horse Ebluisant is a a half sister to the the mighty Zenyatta. So it's all there. It's it's all there, isn't it? Yes, it is. Along with the fact that Ebluisant is a, a by Bernardini, who's one of the hottest uh, broodmare sires there. So. That ability to get the classic distance is glaring in that pedigree. Last year's shot winner, Rich Strike, showed us that no horse should be discounted in the Kentucky Derby. And that would apply to 50-1 to shot Ray's Kane, who thumped his rivals in a Group 3 two starts back, before being put in his place last time in a Group 1 behind Tappet, Trice and Verifying. Ray's Kane is a first runner in the race for trainer Ben Colebrook, and Nick asked Ben this morning how big a deal it is to have his first runner in the Derby. Well, it's a ma- major deal. Um, you know, I'm a, just a kid. We're growing up as a kid in central Kentucky. You know, you watch the Derby every year and you, you know, kind of dream about how cool it would be to have one in it. The kind of to, to make it is uh, it's just uh, kind of a shock, to be honest. This is quite a good horse. Well, we know that already. What are the chances he could be better than quite a good horse? Well, I think uh, I don't think we've seen the best from him yet. I tell you that. Uh, you know how high the the ceiling is. You know, I don't think anybody knows. The most positive thing for me for him is his mental aptitude. Like he just schooled in the paddock here. He was like, no problem. I got this. You know, the crowd, nothing. Didn't turn a hair, and it's hot. You know, so in a twenty horse field, he's already been in a fourteen horse field with a loose horse. Obviously, the rain could, if it does rain, 
it doesn't look like it probably is, but if it does, it could move him up. Mm. But I just think that, uh, no, I don't think we've seen how good he is. How good he is, I don't even know, but I think that uh, there is improvement in, uh, to there, and I think we'll see an improvement, but he's got to improve a lot, to be honest. Uh, yeah, he ran behind a couple of these in the in the trial race at, in, uh, yes. at Keeneland, yeah, in the bluegrass, uh, in the bluegrass. Yeah. but came from way, way back. Yeah, he was a little too far back, and that was probably my fault because I – we already had the points, and I told Joel, you know, I said, look, just take back, but make one run. It's the kind of horse he is, but if there's no pace, you might have to be a little closer. But I think, you know, he, I think the positive of it is it saved us some horse for Saturday because he was coming at the end, and, you know, Irad was in front of him, and he was kind of weaving in and out, and, and Joel could never get by. I think with a cleaner trip, we're third. I wouldn't have mattered. We wouldn't have beat the other two, but we'd probably be a little shorter price on Derby and maybe be a little bit more of a talking horse, but uh, that doesn't really matter to me. I you, like want, to you, 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 you want last year's race all over again, don't you? You yeah, want a, a massive meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, a, I want a fast pace for sure. And if it's a slow pace, he can be a little bit closer. I think, you know, with Forte to the inside of it, it's a pretty easy for him. For Gerardo, just follow, you know, follow uh, Fyrell Irad. He's a pretty good guy to follow around there. Is it reasonable to suggest, though, that at this stage... There might well be a superstar in there, but we're not quite sure if there is who it is. Absolutely. I mean, maybe it's just because I got a horse in the race this year. But to me, just looking at the race, I think it's as wide open a derby as I can remember. But uh, I might be a little biased. Terry Finley of West Point Thoroughbreds tasted success in the derby back in 2017 with Always Dreaming. And this time around, co-owns Jace's Road, who was well beaten by Kings Barnes last time. And Nick asked Terry whether his price of forty to one reflects his chance. Uh, you know, the, yes, I do. I do. You, you have to be realistic. Really, the only shot, and if I get a shot, I'm gonna I'm gonna give some guidance to to nineteen other jockey jocks, and I'm gonna give them advice. And the advice I'm gonna give them, if they take it, is to not move too soon, right? Because I know our our only shot is to walk the dog, is to go to the lead, and just get very comfortable and open up and, and, you know, hope that they don't catch us. You know, that's kind of what the best-case scenario in my mind is. But that doesn't happen. You, you know, horses, you know, jocks that, that, that know they might not have uh, a ton of horse, they're going to try to win the race. And they as a result, they get into the far turn and they, they try to explode. And we're going to do the same thing. So, I mean, we're, we'll be th- between 35 and 50 to 1. I do love the fact that, that there's no horse in here that, you know, people by and large that know what they're doing and thinking about when they handicap, right? There's no horse in here that is unbeatable. And I think that's the key. And that's what's, that's what's causing all of us to say like, Hey, we have a punter shot in here to run well. Now, whether that's good enough to win, we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It's a wonderful betting race. I just haven't got a Scooby-Doo how to handicap it yet, but I'm going to leave it till the last minute. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a quick, you know, I like practical move. I I had a shot to meet his owner up at the draw, and I I had never met him before. I said, I really admire the work that you've done, and and, uh, you've done great work on TV, and you've carried yourself, and your horse has been, been brought along the right way, and you've made all the right moves. And he smiled, and he said, thank you very much, and he, I hadn't met him before, and he said, and the other thing is, I just bred a mare to flight line. So I said, I, I said, you're even a bigger, I'm even a bigger fan than I was, but um, I like practical move. I think he's going to be, he's going to be a factor. You know, they're not supposed to go quite that far, and I think he's kind of, he's outpunched, uh, or 
you know, he's outrun his coverage um, now for about six months. So I think he's, you know, the horse that I'm probably going to zero in on um, outside of our horse. But, you know, I you brought up DeSormo. I think that horse is super, super live. I know confidence he, game. he worked great the other day. And he looks, you know, confidence game looks like he's coming into this race as good as possible. And, you know, DeSormo he's as good of a horseman as there is in the country. I really believe that. And I, and we've only had one or two horses with him, but you talk about a natural horseman and a talent. Uh, I think he's right up there with all the other big guys. Uh, you know, he just hasn't had that quality that walked into his barn every, every spring, but he gets more out of those horses than I think anybody would in the whole country. Finally, here's NBC's Jonathan Kinchin on who he believes will take the 2023 Kentucky Derby. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I'm, I'm struggling. I really like Tappet Trice, but I don't love the draw for his style, right? I wanted him to kind of draw on the outside and just kind of plug along, plug along. Um, if he and can then work hoover out, up the field one by one. Right. If he can work out a trip from out there, I think he can win. But my eyes keep going back to Forte. I know his speed figures aren't as fast as you feel like you need them to be. But he's won four grade ones. We haven't seen that since Nyquist, and I think he could be dangerous as two. Here's what I'll tell you. Brad Cox or Todd Pletcher is going to win the <laughs> You've only got seven shots. So there we are, plenty of insight into the Kentucky Derby, although we haven't mentioned my fancy Derma Sotagake. I know this will be a different kettle of fish to the UAE Derby, but this may well be Japan's year. 11.57 BST tomorrow night. Don't miss it. A fabulous weekend of racing ahead. I hope you enjoy it. And Nick will be back on Monday morning to review the action and bring you all the latest news from around the world of horse racing. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary. Thank you.